Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball, and I sure appreciate you being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call. Today, we're talking about retail and retail real estate. I call it the wild and woolly world of retail. A lot in the news, a lot of retailers closing down. You know, it's interesting, retail properties, while some of them are having issues, they're typically very good real estate. And we're certainly seeing a lot of opportunities in a retail. Let's see uh, how the market's looking. First, please welcome my first guest, Jim Costello. Jim is Senior VP with RC Analytics, and he's joining us on Skype. Jim, thanks for being with us, sir. Thanks for having me here. Well, Jim, how do retail investors or investors in the retail sector, how do they feel about the market right now? What kind of activity level are you seeing in the in transactions? Yeah, it's a Jekyll and Hyde type market. There's different views here. There's some great properties that simply aren't trading. And then there are other properties that have some trouble and you get some transaction activity around them. Uh, deal activity overall is down for the first quarter. We haven't finished the numbers yet for the quarter, but preliminarily it's looking uh, at least a 20% decline on a year-over-year -year basis. Now, some of that is not just retail. Some of that is driven by the broader capital market forces that are impacting all property types. Uh, you'll look at what happened to the long end of the yield curve in the fourth quarter, and then that whipsaw of the 10-year Treasury coming back down again earlier this year. It made investors a little bit cautious. They stepped back a bit. Mortgage rates have gone up uh, uh, quickly in response to that increase in the 10-year Treasury and the long end of the yield curve. So there's just a lot of uncertainty. So some of the pullback we saw for retail property sales was really a function of that, that broader uh, decline in uh, uh, the stability of the financial markets. But that said, what's happening in terms of sales, it's just not as uh, aggressive as last year for uh, the sector. One thing that happened last year that we haven't seen anything uh, of the like so far in 2019 is entity level transactions. Again, there are some good retail properties out there. Last year, a number of them sold where companies bought the entire uh, company rather than uh, buying individual assets because you're not going to buy one mall at a time. You're going to buy you know, 20 of the best malls in a large portfolio. Uh, that kind of portfolio and the merger and acquisition type activity, it just hasn't been on the scene so far in 2019. Okay, and if you can hear the siren, Jim is in New York City, uh, where you have the sounds of the city there. And Jim, how is that impacting cap rates overall? Uh, cap rates, even though you know, there are some concerns about retail, uh, they're flat. Uh, you know, interest rates have gone up a bit, uh, and then they came down again, but cap rates really haven't moved. So, you know, there's, there's this notion that, hey, cap rates should move up if the 10-year Treasury moves up. But really, at that point, I think it just means that, that the buyers and sellers will move a little bit further apart. The first thing that will break is deal volume. Uh, buyers may want a lower, cap, uh, 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 lower price and you know, come in at a higher cap rate. Uh, sellers, you know, the opposite. When interest rates are falling, it's easier to bring them together. 
you know, the, the challenge in a rising rate environment is that it takes a while for everybody to kind of reprice and set their expectations differently uh, for volume to clear. And that's part of what we saw in the first quarter with the declining volume. Everybody was trying to figure out where, how things should price. And do you expect that to continue through 2019? I don't think so. In fact, I think that we're going to see a bit of a, a, a break in the log jam in the next couple months. There's a couple of things that are driving my expectation on that. First, take a look at deals under contract. Uh, there's been a big uh, buildup of large deals under contract. Uh, looking about a year ago, sort of the average size of deals under contract was around 17 million. We're closer to 50 million for, for deals under contract. So there's some big deals that are just kind of parked at the side waiting to close. And I think part of that is just it takes a little bit longer uh, in this environment where there was some uncertainty around what was happening with rates uh, to, to you know, secure financing and get everything squared away. Uh, with the Fed pretty much uh, saying now that they're done with further rate rises for the year, I think you're going to see some stability there. People are going to get more comfortable with where they are on the, in the financing side. And uh, I think you'll be able to have investors uh, finally step off the sidelines and close some things that they've gotten progress. Uh, but really, I think you know, it's all about that stability on uh, the, the financial side of the market. And uh, you know, I think the, the moves recently by the Fed yeah, announcing that they're done for now with their rate cycle, uh, with their uh, rise of rates for this part of the cycle, uh, suggests we're going to have some stability and, and investors will be able to make some decisions around that. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's uh, you know, what I would think as well, that the activity should be picking up this year because and there's a lot of different uses uh, for retail. And if, if some people are thinking, hey, maybe retail's having trouble, some people see retail as an opportunity, maybe we have more movement. Like you said, we have uh, some uh, still really low interest rates. So uh, you said uh, earlier before we were talking that uh, you've seen some, uh, some clients do some interesting things with some of these uh, retail properties. Yeah, well, malls, one thing that, that I've always disliked about malls is all the extra parking. Uh, sure, you can gear up for that uh, two or three days a year when you have all that Christmas shopping coming in. Uh, but in, in malls that, you know, maybe at the Christmas season, they're not even getting that anymore because some of the anchor tenants are just not as strong. You've seen some adaptive reuse of the malls. I mean, this is an expensive proposition, right? We're not talking about uh, a simple uh, clean it up, put some new paint on, make it pretty again. Uh, but some folks have figured out how to work with uh, uh, local uh, development agencies to change the zoning, to change the whole structure of what they have at the mall, uh, take some of the outlot parking that is barely used, and do some high-density construction on those, maybe put in some engineered parking in terms of some garages. Uh, essentially, build some towers for mixed use of office, uh, hotels, uh, residential near the mall, create some organic demand for activity at the mall from the people who live and work and visit the buildings right next to the mall. And that plus the ongoing uh, shopping activity from the folks who are still drawn to the mall, it's a way to revitalize uh, a mall that uh, may have had better times in the past. Uh, now, this isn't going to work everywhere. Number one, adaptive reuse is expensive. You know, building all that extra infrastructure is expensive. Uh, additionally, you need city fathers and mothers uh, who uh, agree 
that you can change the zoning. And that's not going to work everywhere. Uh, and then last, you really need a city and a local economic environment that can support that activity. If you are in some rust belt city in the Midwest where all the great jobs are gone because you know, they've been uh, 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 you know, automated, uh, that's just not going to work in the same sense because you don't have the knowledge sector workers and the high income earners uh, that are going to be buying the condo units and occupying the office space that one would hope to build on the outlot. Yeah, it comes down to what the three words, right? Location, location, location. I agree. I think retail Absolutely. has a lot of a uh, lot of retail properties have a, a lot of mixed use and, and different uses that we're seeing. And we certainly see a lot of activity when we put retail properties on the market. Um, Jim, well, how are lenders looking at retail properties today as compared to uh, other sectors? Yeah, lenders are approaching retail with a little more caution compared to other property types. Uh, the Looking at uh, all the loans originated in 2018, the average LTVs for commercial properties overall were close to 68%. For retail, it was about 63%. So you've got about 500 extra basis points of uh, lower LTV that they're putting in there to kind of cover their risks on that. Uh, the, the issue is that even though there are great retail properties, it's hard for uh, any lender to step up and say, I'm going to make a loan on this retail property because I believe in the foot traffic here. I believe in the consumption activity here. When their board is hearing all these negative stories about retail with uh, closures and uh, uh, the Internet taking everything over, yeah, that steady drumbeat in the popular press makes it hard for folks to argue in favor of doing a loan on even a good retail property. So to the extent they are doing them, they're being more cautious. Yeah, and there's not a lot of distress in commercial loans today, but, but there's always some, right? Yeah, there's always something that goes wrong. Uh, you know, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, that's when we tracked the most distress. We don't have nearly as much distress today. But when something happens and a retail loan goes bad, uh, the lenders are only recovering around 70% of the value. So that's, you know, that's another way to look at that. It's a 30% loss if you want to take the glass half-empty kind of view. Uh, but that, that, that stands in contrast to, say, the apartment market, where when something goes wrong, you're getting about 90% of the value back. So in that sense, that, that relative loss rate you know, makes lenders a little more cautious. And, and I think it's really sort of a, a winner-take-all kind of uh, situation in the retail market. When you lose, you really lose. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, they, you know, you're, you're losing the tenant, you know, the consumer base, the location. Yeah. But when you win, you know, it's all in your favor. Right. And so, you know, I, I think there's just a uh, uh, very much a have-and-have-not situation in the retail market. Right. And we're not seeing new malls uh, today. Uh, per se, but we are seeing some uh, new retail development, right? Yeah, there there is some new retail development, and and again, it's focused on the cities with uh, you know, a large population base of knowledge sector workers and high income earners. So the largest markets for construction are in, in these large coastal markets uh, like New York, L.A. Uh, with you know all the uh, knowledge sector workers with the disposable income. That said, the pace of construction starts slowed in 2018 relative to 2017, 
though I'm not necessarily sure that it's something about retail itself. I think the slowdown it starts is uh, probably something about retail, but it's also a function of just material costs. It's harder to find construction workers now. Uh, subcontractors are well, worth their weight in gold in a lot of markets these days. It's harder to find uh, those uh, great uh, subcontractors. Uh, additionally, material costs are higher because of uh, uh, challenges with new tariffs, and uh, developers are scrambling to find alternative sources for different materials. And so that combines to make it a little bit harder to get any new project off the ground today. Yeah, good point. And I think if uh, folks listening or watching are thinking about career decisions, uh, construction might be something to really look at uh, to, to do today. Well, Jim, what would you leave our audience with as far as maybe some opportunities uh, in the retail sector? You know, the, the opportunities in the retail sector, I think, are going where others fear to tread right now. You know, it is the case that there are good retail properties. Uh, and even those good retail properties, you know, the lender's a little more cautious there relative to uh, other property types. So, you know, jumping in there and being a little more aggressive uh, you know, especially I can see debt funds, say, uh, getting into that type of opportunity. Uh, that would be uh, one uh, thing that, that you know, would, would really stand out in my mind. Uh, and then the other, the other option is just kind of picking through the malls and just really doing your diligence of looking at every individual building and you know, considering uh, the strength of the tenants, the strength of the local uh, market. And, and frankly, you know, some malls at this point, if you're worried about the impact of the Internet, uh, a power center with category killer tenants that is still surviving today. It's not as though the internet has just come in as a, a force on shopping. It's been there for five, uh, ten years and for a lot of folks. Uh, a power center that is still surviving at this point, maybe there's an opportunity there because it's not as though you're going to see uh, uh, a lot more internet shopping for some of those commodities. You know, what's there and people's patterns are pretty well established. So some of those may be uh, uh, an opportunity that uh, others are looking over. Yeah, well said. I think there's a lot of great retail properties. And you think about some of the uses. We talked about adaptive reuse, but we're also seeing uses inside these existing boxes and buildings uh, that are changing, like, like co-working and office. And, of course, we've seen medical for a long time. We're, we're seeing recreational uses. So... I think there's a lot of investors out there that look for that kind of value add opportunity to maybe change a, a use on a property. And I think a lot of these retail properties are a prime target for that. Well, Jim, great information as usual, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. If you'd like more information from Jim, check him out at RC Analytics. And stay tuned with us. We're going to have some more on retail and retail real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. Incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International. For facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com. Your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com.